Welcome back to another episode of Peter's Proffer here in the courtroom of current events. And today we're going to be talking about contracts for services. And we're sticking specifically to services. And most of the time we'll talk about services of less than one year. You'll hear why, but we're not going to talk about buying real estate or buying goods and services or things like that because we really want to focus on what most of the people want to know about and what will affect the most people that listen to this podcast. And for the most part, it's people that are providing a service. Do you need to have a written contract? What needs to be in that contract. And then also from the consumer side, people that are going to pay for these services, what should you be looking for in that contract? And who's going to provide the contract? Is it the person providing the service or the person paying for the service? We're going to tackle all those questions and more today. I've got Pete Sardis, my partner with me on the podcast, and we're going to jump through this one to hopefully give you guys some information that you can use going forward because that's what we like to do in this podcast. So that being said, if you have any questions about something that specifically hits your life or business, go ahead and hit us up on social media at Tragos Law is our handle, and we'll see if we can get to that question. Because we really think that everyone should have a lawyer they know. They should have a lawyer they can ask a quick question to, like this, what do I need in this contract for me to provide a service to somebody? Or what should I be looking for in a contract for somebody providing a service to me? And while this isn't legal advice, because we'd always say, go talk to a lawyer for your specific needs, sometimes people just need a general overview. They don't know what to look for on Google or other searches to answer their questions. So we're going to be a quick answer. We're going to be kind of like the lawyer Google for you today. So let's get to the episode. All right, so today we're talking contracts, and in law school, there's an entire class built around contracts. There's all sorts of different kinds of contracts that have different rules, including when you're going to buy real estate or buy a specific good or hire somebody for five years dealing with employment contracts, things like that. So we're going to be as narrow as we can today while also hitting a large majority of the questions we get about contracts from our clients, from our friends, things like that, and that's contracts for services of less than a year. So you have somebody come do a job for you, whether it's construction or cleaning or build something or a plumber or whatever it may be. You have a contract for a job. What needs to be in it? Does it even need to be written? We're going to go through all sorts of questions today. So Pete, when starting out first with a contract um, for services of less than a year, does it have to be a written contract? No. There's no rules that require that a contract needs to be in writing for a service that will come to fruition, meaning that will end within a one-year period. And the reason we're saying no to that question is because, legally speaking, it does not have to be written to be binding. If you handshake with somebody or we agree, Pete, you're going to come build my chair for me for 50 bucks, that's good enough. That's an oral contract. In a lot of arenas, like real estate, for example, it does have to be a written contract contract with certain terms. And the reason that these contracts for services are so complicated and complex sometimes is because people don't do these contracts in writing. So now we're going to get to how we would advise our friends or our clients or things like that. Should you get contracts for services in writing? Yes. And the reality is this, a contract is nothing more than a memorialization of the agreement between the parties. You would think that that would be something simple, but if you have you know, just look at everyday life. Two people make an agreement. You have three different interpretations of what that agreement actually means. Right. So we would, our 
advice, even though this is not legal advice, our advice just to people generally is get everything in writing all the time, not just contracts, but anything you ever agree on with anybody, get it in writing because then there's a meeting of the minds, we call it. So if you write down something they don't agree with, they'll say, oh, wait, I thought you meant this September, not next September, and you wrote next September down. And so you'll know that once it's on paper. What I tell people to do is something that I do all the time, and it's easy write an email, send a text message. It doesn't need to be formal. It doesn't have to be on letterhead. A lawyer doesn't have to write it. Uh, that says the who, what, when, where, why, and how. And just say, hey, dear Johnny, you're going to build me this table for $3,000. It is going to be made out of maple. You're going to stain it, and I'm going to have it in three weeks delivered. Thank you very much. Let me know if I'm wrong, if we're, we're all in agreement. It's that simple. Now, right. at least we know what the deal is. It doesn't have to be typed on a piece of paper, although that's best, but it doesn't have to be typed on a piece of paper. It can, like Pete said, be an email or text message, something in writing that both people see and would have had the chance to object to. That's why you write it. Because if Johnny starts building that table and three weeks in it's not done, he can say, oh, we didn't agree on that. And it's like, well, I wrote you this email. Everything was fine. You never said I needed four weeks, nothing like that, because arguments will come with these types of services. So that's why having everything in writing at least gives you something to start with. Um, And Pete kind of answered the next question, but I want to dive a little deeper into it. Do you have to have a lawyer write the contract for you? No, there's no requirement that a lawyer has to do anything for you. Now, and again, we're talking about service contracts under a year. Chances are it's not going to be economically feasible to hire a lawyer to do a contract unless it's for some humongous project. And that's the big question, I think. If it's a huge contract for you know hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars or something like that, you're going to want a lawyer to write that for you. If it's a $500 table somebody's building for you, you don't need a lawyer to write that for you. It's going to cost more for the lawyer to write the contract for you than it is to provide that service. Um, We are not contract lawyers. We have written contracts before. Um, We took the contracts class. We review contracts for some of our clients or some of our friends or people that need us to. Um, But we are not the types of lawyers that write contracts. Those are known as transactional lawyers. We are litigation lawyers. Um, Transactional lawyers that write this stuff every day take a ton of time to build a contract for people. And one of the other things that I think is really interesting about their business is if you have a business that does a lot of these small types of services, but they're happening over and over again and you've run into some roadblocks where people don't pay or they're not honoring the contract that you have written or an oral agreement that you may have had with them, talk to a lawyer about building you a template. And they can put in certain paragraphs that you just fill in the person's name, you fill in the scope of work, things like that, but everything is pretty much the same on the terms of the contract. You can have a lawyer pay them one time, even if it's for small services, build you a template that then you can finish and write in the details each contract that you sign. So it's some upfront cost, but it's going to save you a ton of money and a ton of headache on the background. So while you don't have to have a lawyer write it. I think there's a huge benefit to having a lawyer involved depending on the size or frequency that you may be contracting for these services. Um, So let's get into what people are asking about. And the specific question is, what needs to be in these contracts? So we're going to speak generally because each contract may have some specific things you may put in it. But let's say a general contract for services What do you need to put in that contract to protect you, whether you're on the consumer side paying for the services or you're the one providing the service? I I alluded earlier to the who, what, when, where, why, and how. Uh, I would focus on that, but it's not just saying... I'm gonna, you're going to cut my grass on Fridays for 30 bucks. 
normally I think that if you're doing a contract and you're asking somebody to provide a service for you and it's something other than, uh, you know, clean the pool. Well, you know, let's talk about clean the pool because I just actually went through this recently. Clean the pool. Does that include pool chemicals? Um, Does it include sweeping the pool? You need to make a realistic representation about, and it's a legal term, the scope of the work that you're expecting to be done. So when we talk who, what, when, where, why, and how, the who is who's going to be involved. You know, Pete is going to pay Peter to build a table. So Pete and Peter are the who. So you want your name and whatever the service company's name is in the contract. Then the what is what you're talking about now, the scope of work. What is actually going to be provided in this service? And be as specific as you can. They're going to do this, that, the other. They're going to provide these materials. They're going to do this, that, you know, and this is the time period in which they're going to do it with. Um, And that's a big thing is just the length of the agreement. How long is it going to take for them to complete this task for you? How long is this agreement for? Is it month to month? Um, Is it going to be for six months? Is it going to be a monthly thing or is it just a one-time payment? So you have to really kind of describe the length of the contract, the length of the services within that contract. Um, And of course, one of the most important parts is the contract price. How much is this going to cost? Is it a one-time payment? Is it month to month? How are the payments going to be made? Are you going to take a draw, pay 50% up front, 50% at completion? Are you going to pay $1,000 a month? What is that payment going to look like? You want to be specific with those payment terms in the contract. You want to be specific about when you expect it to be paid. If there is a late payment, you want to put in there you know, some kind of interest or penalty that may be made in order to continue to make sure it's being paid on time. What else do you want to have in there? Um, you're going to want to put in any penalties that may exist if the job's not done timely or done correctly. Um, if it's a job that involves something that could damage or cause injury, you want to make sure that whoever's doing this job has insurance. Are they bonded? Do you need a permit? Who's pulling the permit? Well, you you want to make sure the insurance thing is really important. So you want that in the contract as a separate paragraph that the person providing this service will maintain insurance at all times and ask for a copy of that insurance. That's the biggest thing. Something goes wrong. Someone gets hurt on your property. Someone gets hurt building your table. Something happens happens where someone's injured and they're going to look to you for it, well, you want to make sure that the person that's going to actually be responsible, which may be the person providing the service, has insurance. Because if they have no insurance, someone's going to look to you to pay for those bills. So that's really important to be to, to put in there. You know, it's interesting because I'm in, somebody might, some of you might know this, I'm in the middle of a remodel right now at the house and I have found that the guys that come over, they're like, yeah, gutters, no problem. We can put in gutters. Yeah, well, it'll cost you. I'm just making it up. 100 bucks. All right, I'll be here next week. We'll put in the gutters. Well, hold on a second. What gutters are you putting in? When are you coming next week? Um, does that include, and I'll, I kind of go through the list of things that I'm expecting, and then you realize the light goes off in their head, and what they were contemplating are gutters, and what I was contemplating are gutters are two different things. So be conscious, especially when you're doing a deal with somebody that's very... Uh, let's just say nonchalant about the details because the devil is in those details. That's well, what they, this contract that, is That for. person for sure doesn't have insurance. So <laughs> you always want to work with people that are, you know, licensed and insured. That's the best way. When we get calls that somebody, you know, paid five grand to redo their whole kitchen and the person disappeared after they paid their deposit of $2,500, 
They had no contract. They had no insurance. They had no nothing. And they look to us to try to recoup that money for them, but they haven't given us the proper tools that we need as lawyers to go get that money based on the contract. So we're going to talk next about one of the most important provisions you need to make sure is in every written contract you do, whether it's for services or anything else, and that's an attorney's fees and costs provision. Um, You may be uh, smirking that that's our favorite provision, but it's really to protect you on both sides of this contract, whether you're the person providing the service or you're the consumer. You need an attorney's fees and costs provision, and you can put it in there for the prevailing party. So whoever wins, the loser's got to pay for the lawyer because the loser has created this issue, they've created this breach, and they should have to pay the damages. Because like we already said, if this is for 1000 or $5,000 or something like that, and you end up having to hire a lawyer to fight this contract, and you have to pay the lawyer, you're going to lose no matter what, because you're going to pay the lawyer more than this contract was worth, and you lose on the back end for doing nothing wrong. But if you have an attorney's fees and cost provision in that contract for the prevailing party, you can go collect on that contract without worrying about the attorney's bill at the end. And even better, the person that did create the breach, the person that is breaking the contract and basically going against their word and something they signed now has the fear of paying all the lawyers in this case. So they're going to make that wrong right, hopefully, before lawyers get involved. So we've hit some of the things. Do you have anything else you think needs to be in the contracts generally? No, I think you pretty much hit it all. Um, you know, just as long as when you read it, you can specifically articulate what the deal is, you're okay. And again, there's going to be specific um, items that are necessary depending on what your specific service is, whether you need a certain license or certificate or permits like you talked about or chemicals or materials paid for. You want to put all that in there. You want as much detail as you can in the written contract um, because the next question is, What happens when you leave something out of the contract? This is a question of construction. And when something is left out, and when I say construction, I don't mean the building. Uh, I'm talking about the the production of the document. The building of the contract. The building of the contract, right. Whoever writes the contract, if there is something in the contract that is... How do I say amorphous? I get what you're saying. Well, no, but the point is, whoever writes the contract is a higher level of scrutiny because they're the ones that wrote it. But what happens if you and I agree on something and we say, okay, we're going to build this table for $500. It's going to be done in three weeks and it's going to be painted with this specific paint that I want. And you send me the contract and it doesn't have that paint, but it has everything else in there. And you paint it with something else. And I'm like, we agreed on this paint. You told me you were going to use this paint but you didn't paint it with that. It will be construed against the drafter of the contracts. Now, if you specifically asked for a specific type of paint and it's not in the final documents, the burden falls on you to prove that you had specifically requested this type of paint. So to cut through all the legalese, if something's not in the contract, then it is not something that was agreed to by both parties. So the way that they look at it is the best evidence of what is going to be done and what the parties agreed to is in the written documents because you talk about a lot of stuff before a contract gets written. I want a 10-foot table. Oh, actually, my room can fit 11. Let's make it 11 feet. We want it to be brown, not this brown, that brown, dark brown, light brown. We want it to have these legs, four legs, six legs, eight legs, whatever. So the point of the actual contract at the end of the day is here are the specifics. It's going to be this color, this size, this many legs, and if anything is left out, then it's not going to be a guaranteed win for you on those contracts. You may be able to prove some things, but generally speaking, what's in the contract is what rules. Um, So what happens if somebody breaches an oral contract 
meaning just something you agreed on verbally, and you have no written document to back up what you said. How does that case go? Well, it's then your word against the word of the other person. And at that point, somebody uh, is going to have to make a decision about whose version of the facts is more reasonable and more probable. It is literally a he said, she said battle. In fact. You can try to bring witnesses. You can try to then describe what you spoke about, how somebody may have overheard it, how the person started the work. So obviously you agreed that they were going to work at your house or whatever it may be. But at that point, it's an uphill battle and it's very difficult. Um, And on the converse side of that, what happens when you have a written contract with attorney's fees and cost provisions that's very detailed to the scope of work, who's going to be doing it, when it's going to be done, what happens when somebody breaches that contract? Then you're happy if it's obviously to your benefit because you pull out the contract and say, look here at line six or look at my email where I said to you, you know, I want this table to have four legs and this table has six legs. They've got to perform or then you're going to be, uh, you're going to win that case. And so just to answer the question, if they refuse to perform or don't do what we call specific performance, then make the table from four legs to six legs. What's your other remedy? Well, just there's going to be, you have to pay someone to fix it. Uh, at which point you're probably going to wind up reducing the cost, whatever cost to fix a table from the price that you pay the person that was supposed to build the table. So you basically go pay somebody else to do it right. And whatever the difference is, you don't have to pay extra. You're just going to be held to the 500 bucks that you guys agreed on. So if it costs an extra 200 bucks to fix it, you're going to take that from the initial person you had the contract with. And you're going to be able to do that because you have that contract. It's not a guarantee. You're not always going to win, but if they don't agree to do that, you're going to file a lawsuit. You're going to have attorney's fees and costs that they're going to have to pay on top of the 500 bucks. So chances are they're going to say, fine, here's 200 bucks. Go have the guy fix it. As opposed to you getting a $500 an hour lawyer to fight it. The truth is the more things you have in writing, the more apt it is to avoid the problem. Because that's really what you want. You want to put it in writing, not to offend the other party, but to say, hey, here's what I'm expecting from you. Here's what you can expect from me. Do we agree? Yes. Great. So when a problem does come up down the line, you can at least point to something in the writing that you did to at least substantiate your position. So when thinking about contracts for services, just as a recap, we always advise doing them in writing and having a lawyer at least look at it to give you some kind of generalized idea of which way you should go. Um, And then within that contract, you need to have the who, what, when, where, why, and how. That includes who the parties are, what the scope of the work actually is, when it's going to take place, where the work is actually going to take place, which is something we didn't talk about, but the location of the work, whether it's your house, your business, wherever it may be, and the why. Well, the why is really important, and it may not seem like it makes sense, but think about this. If you don't tell the other party why you're trying or why you need this work done, what the ultimate goal is of this work, you're going to have a problem. For example, are you replacing the faucet because water's not coming out of it, the faucet doesn't work, or are you just replacing because you don't like the way it looks? There's a big difference in those two. The difference being... I'm replacing a faucet because I don't like the way that it looks does not presume that they should be repairing the water flow issue. If the problem is water is not coming out of the faucet, it may be more of a detailed job than just changing the faucet. It may be a different problem. That's why you want to put the why in so the other person understands what you're trying to accomplish as a final goal. Right. So they can't then claim ignorance at the end if they didn't do something they should have done and the faucet still doesn't work even though now it's been replaced. Um, so basically you just want to have as much in the contract as you can talking about payment, 
price, payment details of how it's going to be paid, penalties for breach, attorney's fees and costs, proof of insurance, proper notices, damage done to property, who's going to pay for what, um, renewals if possible, if it's a month to month, that it automatically renews every month. As much as you can put in the contract that you can agree with to the other party, because at the beginning of a contract, there's not usually issues. Everybody's happy. Everybody's at the happy. So we might as well, while everybody's happy, agree with what we're going into so we both have eyes wide open, we both know what to expect from this contract because nobody likes the unexpected when they're doing work or having work done for them. So that's our recommendations. That's what we like to do. Those are the answers we give to our friends that ask us what actually needs to be in these contracts and how do we go about producing them. So hopefully you guys learned something in today's podcast and we'll be back with you next time.